Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Prep Life Podcast. This is your founder and CEO of Glam Girl Bikini, Amy Anger, today with my fabulous co-host. Hey, everyone. This is Crystal Cole, Glam Girl Bikini Coach and IFBB Bikini Pro. So we have not really done a life update in the last couple of podcasts. We've had some guests on the show. So I just kind of wanted to, you had a, a nice weekend and, um, in professional development, I would say. And I definitely want to hear mm-hmm. from you as to what you learned from that experience. And, um, yeah, we'll kind of go from there. But for me on my end, I, and we're going to talk about this a little bit later. I am kind of in that reverse phase, um, mm-hmm. trying to get, you know, my metabolism back to a healthy place and starting to try to get food focused, you know, um, trying to heal that whole process and like the mental aspects of prep, I think you need to heal from and then hormonal and, you know, just focusing on getting to a point where, you know, I'm growing and moving into my improvement season after, you know, a dieting phase. And then, um, so did you want to share with our listeners, um, kind of some things that you took away from your weekend away? Yes. So um, my boyfriend and I and Diego, we drove down to uh, Tampa this past weekend to go to a posing workshop. And um, I heard from Bikini Olympians, from judges, promoters. They talked about a lot of uh, some of the niche things in the industry. And it was really valuable. So I did. It was totally worth the long drive. Um and a couple of things that I'll share a couple of things that really stood out to me. Um, the one thing that was conveyed was confidence. So when you're stepping onto that stage, even if you're not feeling confident, if you are super nervous or uncomfortable, there are some postural or universal signs um, that portray confidence. So that's like keeping your, your chest up. So a lot of times they, with my clients, I've used the cue of a pendant on your chest and lifting, you know, that up towards the ceiling, uh, your shoulders down, uh, chin up, S- small things like that uh, can just convey the confidence, even if you're not feeling it. So um, Diraja really talked about like faking it till you make it. And I felt like that was very, um, it was very comforting to me being super nervous and um, just feeling like a little bit out of my comfort zone that you can really portray confidence just with like some of those postural things. So um, I know you brought up some good tips about that too, Amy, like in your back pose with a head position. Yeah. I find that just from a judge's perspective, when you're looking at a lineup of athletes in the back pose, you can't see their faces, right? So the ones that have kind of their head down, um, not only does it kind of prevent you from doing your full anterior pelvic tilt in your back arch, but it also mm-hmm. exudes that you're very nervous and not confident just by your body language because we can't see your facial expression. So if you're looking down at your feet, most people think that that's something that shows, like, if you're not confident, you're going to be looking at the floor, right? So. Uh, I always tell athletes to make sure you're looking up at the ceiling. It just shows, even though they can't see your face, that you're a confident individual. And in my opinion, it also helps execute the back pose and getting that anterior pelvic tilt. 
Yeah. Yeah. So like first impressions, uh, your walk and your posture and all of that, uh, that's a good thing to practice as well too. I think a lot of us practice like the mandatory poses, but the, and we think about like what the glutes and the shoulders are looking like, but the, like you said, the posture, the head position, all of that matters as well too. So I thought that was really valuable. Um, as a pro, they did talk about like these routines where that you see the pro athletes, they walk to the back curtain in their individual and then they're turning around and walking forward. Um, and from my understanding, it's not necessary to walk to the back curtain. It's not necessary to keep it out. I think it really depends on the show, the promoter, the judges, Um, but they made a good point of not putting things into your routine that are kind of a 50, 50 shot of showcasing something that may show flaws. So for a pro, you're going to have to walk to the back curtain anyways, um, most likely. So removing that from your individual routine just takes out that chance that, you know, you may look a little bit too hard or you may stumble with your footwork or something just might be off so keeping the posing like simple and concise and also not moving out of the box because they set up the stage so that the lighting is best in that box so to get the best pictures to get the judges to get the best you know view of your physique staying in that area kind of helps oh bless you I tried to put that away from the microphone. You heard that though. That was the first sneeze on the podcast. (laughs) Um, So, so yeah. So like staying within that good lighting so that you're presenting your absolute best. Yeah. I love that idea. I, I never thought about the fact that the stage lights are set up for that box in the ideal lighting mm-hmm. and um, definitely like you said, the best pictures and things like that. So that's mm-hmm. a really good point. And I think just even at the MPC level, when you're thinking yeah. about your individual, you want to keep it as basic as possible. You know, you have mm-hmm. eight to 10 seconds and right. you have a very short amount of time compared to pros. Um, I don't know what the percentage is on that, but it's a lot less. And yeah. you're at a level where you're trying to make a good impression. Whereas, mm-hmm. you know, at the pro level, everyone kind of looks good. And the more movement you put, the more like mistakes they're they're just trying to find mistakes there right. uh, whereas in the NPC you just want to highlight your best and mm-hmm. it's going to be very short amount of time very simple very basic so they're very juxtaposition like different types of goals um I think mm-hmm. in terms of yeah. that um when it comes to that but I think the basic underlying principle is that the more movement you do like you said you know you could see some jiggling in the glutes if yep. you decide to walk to the back curtain and that could be mm-hmm. you know avoided and it might be hidden um you know yeah. during that presentation round so if you do it um if you pull that out of it as a pro so yeah good tips yeah i always think of it as like well what i've learned over the years like the amateur uh circuit they're looking for the the physique and the person that best fits that category um i've heard that from like a couple other uh 
like judges and people within the industry that they're they want the physique that fits bikini the best for example and the pro level you have a bunch of physiques that fit the standard already so it's all of that like fine detail or like small mistakes that are happening um like i've heard that like no like that doesn't help with my stress level it's all the small little <laughs> things, but <laughs> but i understand like when you if you go to a pro show you see it yourself like how do they pick so just keeping keeping in mind like what where you're at and how you're presenting um another thing that i thought was super important that i appreciated um joe, joe pishula was there he's a promoter and olympian judge and he talked about showing up to finals with your best. So that means staying on track. Like you've dieted this whole entire time. Don't like throw it all away in the next four hours because you don't know what the judges are looking for in that like basically second round. So pre-judging is a lot of like they determine placement, but there he said there has been times where, you know, we as judges look at a lineup after pre-judging or we we can we talk with each other and we're just not sure and so we're waiting to see how people are showing up in finals and that's where sometimes you'll see we're going to rejudge this you know class so i think it's just that was very um i thought that was cool to hear as well from somebody that's really involved in the industry that like it does matter what your physique is looking like in that last little bit of the day. Um, so yeah, just always bringing your best, I think was the bottom line. Yeah. I've, as an athlete been, you know, told that, okay, this finals, we're actually rejudging your class. Um, yeah. and you know, when I was a new competitor, that was like really surprising to me. The first, one of the first, you know, years of my competition career, but ever since then I've seen it happen. Um, you know, on multiple different panels of judging and things, things are just way too close. And there was maybe like basically a split decision between the judges. And, um, so yeah, they just rejudge it. And we've seen that as coaches, um, where they announce it and they say, okay, this is live judging tonight. We're rejudging this class. So definitely happens for sure. Um, And even if you're not in the middle, the, like basically first call outs I would say make sure that you're on point wherever you're standing on that line um because and even maybe second call outs depending on how big the class is because they the first person is not always in the middle so like finish the race strong I think is just a good way to look at it yeah I'll never forget one of my clients Lori Burwell she she was in second call outs and in my opinion, they had totally gotten it wrong and it was a huge class and it was kind of like a sea of yeah. people. Um, and then they, I could tell that they kind of like got that wrong. They meant to put her in the first call. She ended up in like second or third place, which is crazy yeah. to be in second call out and then come back. Um, so at night, yeah, they had to, they kind of did like a rejudging, but um, wow. definitely have seen that happen before. So yeah. some other things that I, we were talking offline before we hopped on mm-hmm. here and I thought you brought up a couple of good points on posing, like not to scrunch down and yeah. a lot of people try to get that like glute pop by 
kind of crunching into their glute, but that kind of doesn't do favors for the waistline. Um, I feel like there was something else that you talked about too, but I thought that was a good tip as well. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone wants to emphasize the glute, but it's a lot of the pelvic position versus like just trying to push into that glute to kind of make it as big as possible. Um, They talked about like your arm position. So like that hand that you keep down by your side, you don't want to be like arcing your elbow. You don't want to give them any indication of figure if you're in the bikini category. So um like keeping your thumb pointed towards the judges was one of the cues that they they talked about. Um, yeah, there was like a bunch of things. They even talked about like how to wear your suit to emphasize your physique, like connectors, you know, high on certain bodies and a little bit like lower on others. Um, but I think most people need to wear their connectors on the higher ends, like up above their hip bones. So yeah, there was a ton of things that were like hard and fast rules, um, like not sweeping your leg. They said certain judges, that's not their favorite thing. So making sure that when you're doing like you're coming around in like a transition pose and you're running your fingers over your leg or across your glutes, like there are judges that don't like that. And so making sure that again, your posing is simple, it's concise, it's presenting your best physique um, you're not doing too many extra, like crazy things. That was, that was a general message. I felt like I got from the seminar. Yeah. Okay. So switching gears completely. Um, we are going to be talking (laughs) about something totally different. So just long-term fat loss strategies. And, uh, I think, you know, when it comes to anything in the sport, you have to be in it for the long haul and for that mm-hmm. bigger picture. If you're thinking short term, you're probably not going to last too long in this sport. Um, yeah. I mean, I know for me, like I want to grow uh, for a significant amount of time. So I'm not even thinking about planning my next show until like the very end of this year. Um, just because I want to maximize time in either maintenance or surplus calories so I can put on some size, um, and really focus on that. So I think when we're talking about dieting, you know, doing it in a slow, sustainable way. So you maintain as much muscle mass as possible is super important. And you want to, you know, support that growth for as long as you possibly can. It is, it's hard to build muscle in a deficit. Now it is, mm-hmm. it is possible. You're just not going to do it as efficiently. Um, right. And then we are kind of of the mindset, I would say it's just like that lean gain. So you're wanting to recomp your body, um, you know, making sure that you have plenty of time to diet so that you're getting lean enough for your contest, kind of reverse engineering your goals. And so, when people come over here for a fit 3d scan, one of the things that I mentioned to them is you should be seeing 1% body fat loss per month that you come here. So I, I have people, you know, we have a, a package that kind of includes that. And so if you're in the Kansas city metro area, I, ha- you know, I encourage people to come and get their fit 3d scan because not only does it show your symmetry and the balance and like foot position of how much weight you put in either foot, your posture, 
and it gives you all of your inches around your body, but it also, it really tracks, you know, are you doing a good job of, um, you know, building muscle and losing fat and Mm -hmm. that affecting your percentage? Because a lot of people in a growing season, they see the scale go up and they get discouraged and then they come over here and they see that most of that is lean tissue that they've gained. Um, So whether or not, you know, just because the scale isn't moving doesn't mean that you're not doing the right things. Um, And one client in particular- in two months, she had lost 3% body fat and her, she was really frustrated because the scale wasn't really moving. And I'm like, you know, we're in kind of like a maintenance calorie phase right now. Our goal is to put on muscle and to lose some body fat because she needed to do both. Um, but it's, it's just one of those things that you have to kind of shift your mindset and start looking at different markers. Like, You know, measurements are a good indicator that you're doing the right thing. If you don't have a Fit 3D scanner or you don't have access to a DEXA, the inches going down and the scale staying the same is like your best, um, like outcome in an improvement season. So, um, because fat takes up a lot of space. So if you look at a pound of Mm -hmm. fat versus a pound of muscle, you know, that's your inches going down so that you're swapping out that muscle for the fat. Um, did you want to talk about some of, so we, we want to give credit where credit's due. So if you haven't subscribed to his channel or you don't listen or follow Jeff Nippard, he's, I'm total fangirl of his <laughs> content <laughs> because he's very uh, much, he'll talk about the bro science side of things, but then he'll also give you like factual evidence based practices along with anecdotal kind of relations in that sense. Yeah. So this video in particular, um, do you remember the name of it? The, how to get yeah. lean? How to get lean and stay lean forever. So yes. good clickbaity one. Yes. So if you're interested, look him up on YouTube if you don't already follow him. But um, some of the things that I liked, do you want to talk about kind of like the the leverage habits? I really liked that takeaway. Um, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So it talks about like when you are in a dieting phase, like how to make some of those habits you don't love more uh, digestible, I guess you could say. So for example, um, you know, when our motivation is starting to dip, our habits are easier to keep going if they're kind of on autopilot. So Temptation bundling is something he mentioned about, um, and I actually think that we've mentioned that a couple times, maybe here or there on a podcast of like marrying a habit that you don't like with something that you do mm-hmm. so that it's less uncomfortable and can be more enjoyable. So like, um, you know, if you're, you are like me and you absolutely adore cardio, (laughs) (laughs) um, you want to find a great show or something to watch on TV, something that like, or on Netflix, something that's entertaining or, um, like that works for me. I know Mm -hmm. like, okay, I, I don't love cardio, but I do love watching like X, Y, and Z. So I know when I go out on the treadmill, I'm actually like doing something that's entertaining for myself or something that's just for me. And so you partner something that you don't like with something that you do. 
Um, is there, are there any things that you do specifically, Amy, that, um, help you when it comes to dieting? Yeah, I think we talked about this in November when I was in prep and I was talking about how my, like, um, my, like, sinful, like, indulgence is my, um, uh, why can I not think of the word now, right now? Um, I like watching Bravo, um, Below Deck. Yes. So, um, yeah, I love love blow deck it's so dramatic and ridiculous um and it's definitely just entertainment value like there's no like value in terms of like (laughs) making myself better by watching that um I just like (laughs) laughing about like their hot mess of a life that they have but um I think stuff like that I know Jeff mentioned that a lot of his bodybuilder friends which I think this is kind of like a dude thing but um because I can't see like a bunch of females doing this but um he showed like a video of one of his friends on a treadmill like playing video games how was that possible I don't know but it was like (laughs) it was pretty legit um something I've been doing recently is I struggle at night with like eating extra snacks and stuff like that so I I do listen on audio in the morning because my willpower is great in the morning so I'll listen to like actual like self-help books and things that will help me in business or, you know, be a better professional yeah. and things like that in the morning. I listen to those audio books. Um, but then at night I read a hardback or like a paper, um, just like trashy book, like that just has no yeah. value whatsoever, but it's like pure enjoyment. So then it mm-hmm. like motivates me to go upstairs and just foam roll and read that book. That's just for pure entertainment value. Um, and then it kind of keeps me out of the kitchen and keeps my mind distracted, which I love that. Oh, thanks. Yeah. One of the things that he had mentioned in his thing too, is just like an environment that aligns with your goals. So like if you're a stress eater, do something that distracts you. And I think another good strategy in addition to the book reading would be, he mentioned, I think playing games or like card games or doing, um, puzzles so kind of keeping your hands active and your mind active and your mind off of the food focus type of thing. Yeah. I know that I like when I want to eat something late at night, I'm always looking for something like comforting and soothing at the end of the day. Um, because, and that's, I think we can make that correlation with, you know, food being something that can be soothing to us. So to help me I always try and find something else that's going to give me that type of sensation so like I for Christmas I got this amazing blanket I don't even know where how to describe it to you but it's the softest thing I've ever felt in my life so like at night I'll make a cup of tea and get in my pajamas and sit under this blanket because it's like you know if you are stressed out and you're wanting to eat to soothe that sometimes, or you're wanting to eat to kind of combat that and you need an activity to distract you, that's one way. And then maybe it's a different need where you're looking for some comfort or something like at the end of a long day, you can kind of like settle and relax. So that's, I think that that's another part of like looking at the environment and using something that's specific for your need um, in that time, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally. And then another good point he had was just like post diet plan. So I know I alluded to the fact that I was going to talk about this. Um, I, 
you know, I was done competing in like November 20th or whatever it was. And then I kind of stayed like tighter until December. I think it was, what was the fashion show? Like the 18th of December or something like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, so I kind of still felt like I was in a dieting phase. Um, so I've really only been like in a true reverse for like a month in my opinion, but, um, yeah. I like, and I use the strategy with my clients too, because I've noticed over time, just with working with hundreds and you know thousands probably of females at this point, that people that try to do the restrictive, like let's add in like a very slow meticulous reverse, like do like a hundred calories and just going very slow. It just really prolongs the, the time that you're in a restrictive phase. And, you know, hormonally, that's not good for your body um, to be that low in body fat. Um, you know, the longer you prolong that, it's not it's not doing any, you any favors for like your libido, yeah. your sleep, your recovery during your workouts, your performance and things like that. So what I found and I always try things on myself, but I'll just go straight up to maintenance. So. You know, sometimes I get pretty low because of my hypothyroidism, like with my yeah. dieting calories. So, you know, adding four to 600 calories is quite a bit for me, but mm -hmm. that's about, I try to do that just because my adherence is better than adding like 200. But I would say that sure. that would be the range that most people need to go straight up to maintenance, if not surplus right after a show, just to try to stay on track. Um, because I found that you know, if they try to restrict, then they tend to like way overindulge also. Yeah. I've seen with females where they'll take in like three to 5,000 calories in a sitting when they're trying to keep their calories at like 1300 or 1400. Um, so I liked that, you know, he was talking about that as well. And then just kind of trying to increase and knowing that your, your maintenance calories are going to be dynamic. Um, so I don't know if we want to go into like what makes them so dynamic or if we have time for that. Um, what are your thoughts there? I just had a couple of points to kind of piggyback off of what you were saying. Um, I, so I think that it's important to, for people coming out of a reverse or out of a dieting season, because I've talked to several people through social media that, you know, they ask a couple questions about like, what is normal, quote unquote, like I'm like super hungry. Like, is it, is it normal for me to be this hungry? Is it normal for my macros to be, um, you know, like what should they look like after a show? I think a lot of people have questions of a reverse because the dieting is pretty much like, I mean, there, there is a science behind manipulating your macros, but it's a deficit. So how far are you supposed to come up and what are they supposed to look like? How soon should you bring calories up? And I like that you brought up the point of like, you want to get out of that deficit as quickly as possible because you're, you're trying to like recharge or rebuild where your body needs a little bit of extra help when it's been in the deficit. So like bringing up your fats, if your fats are super low, um, like, yeah, so you, you don't need to just like all of a sudden now you're eating a hundred grams of fat, but especially for hormonal health, like Amy mentioned, you want to make sure that they're in a range that helps support that as quickly as possible. If you found that you had a dip below that, 
And I know like for us, 40 grams is pretty much the bottom of how low we will go um, for like uh, nutritional hormonal support. So like making sure that your macros are supporting uh, recovery, especially as women on the hormonal end of things, I think that's important. And I do think the longer that you do like a slow drip of calories back into your diet, it breaks down your willpower. Um, and that's where Amy, like you were mentioning, you can have people that just really fall hard, um, on the other side because they've been holding on for so long for this show date, they're dieting, they reach their goal. And now it's like just prolonging that like tough situation of like trying to hit your macros and hang in there. Um, I think a lot of people can, I know at one point, like I was eating a ton of diet foods because I was trying to eat my macros but also um like curb my cravings for sweets and all kinds of other things and I think that can cause like another compounding of issues with like a compromised gut and then you're adding in some lots of like artificial foods so yeah I think like definitely have a coach that's going to explain your reverse to you why they're doing it that way and I agree with you Amy I I like to just give me like a chunk of calories so that my hormones can start re-regulating even my hunger hormones and then we can get into a place where we're advancing our physique for the the next um time to hit the stage yeah and i rely heavily on communication in that post-dieting phase more almost like it's more important than even just the lean out phase because on the lean out phase you know people are going to have compliance because they have this imminent goal and a timeline and when it comes to post show there's not as much on the line for staying within the confines of you know what the parameters are and I think that if you get feedback on like what they're comfortable with you know maybe it's you know they don't have something for a long time and maybe they're just burnt out on tracking so they need to just hit a protein goal and hit a calorie goal and not have to track like meticulously carbs and fats um, you just kind of have to work with people and then whatever they're going to be able to sustain, um, in the long term is going to be super important. It's all about sustainability, what you can be consistent with. So even if it's like a higher calorie range, like 2000 calories, that's better than going from 1400 to like 5,000 back and forth, mm-hmm. you know, cause on average, if you're just staying satiated at 2000, then you can kind of, you know, you're not going these up and down cycles, in my opinion. But, um, but yeah, you just I encourage everybody to communicate with their coach. Always make sure that you prioritize your prep so that you have time after a show for several months with a coach to work through that. Yes. Because a lot of people don't anticipate that that's um, a thing. Because the the other opposite end of it, you know, when we talk about like somebody doing a slow meticulous reverse another thing is just like having no plan at all which at this point I feel like most coaches are like knowledgeable enough that they need to show support but you know every once in a while I just hear of those couple of things like I know for my show like it was like I had nothing after the show no plan and that's like the worst scenario you could ever yeah you know do basically yeah so yeah yeah 
All right. Well, um, we're at that 30 minute mark. I appreciate everybody um, listening. And I've just recently I read through a couple of the reviews and I just think that they're so sweet. Um, So anytime if you feel it in your heart to, you know, we try to keep this podcast ad free, but, um, you know, a way that other people can find us through the algorithm is just leaving a rating or review. Um, So if you feel it in your heart, please do so. Also, feel free to tag us on your story if you found value in this episode. We are found on Instagram at Prep Life Podcast or at Glam Girl Bikini. And we do have our season kickoff retreat coming up on February 17th through the 19th at the Arizona Grand in Phoenix, Arizona with Celeste Rains Turk from Build More Than Just a Body. And we have a lot of fun activities for that. There's still time to sign up for that retreat. So I'm going to put that link along with... If you would like your unicorn prep um, to apply for the team at glamgirlbikini.com. And this is your founder and CEO of Glam Girl Bikini, Amy Anger, signing off with my fabulous co-host. And this is Chris Nicole, Glam Girl Bikini coach and ISBB Bikini Pro. Thanks for listening, everyone.